The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and behind the glass in beautiful Henderson, North Carolina draft studio is Rocketman Andy Bishop. Well, you know, you and I have had that, we did that three-part conversation. I, I... I strangely haven't heard them, which is a weird position for me to be in. I know. And you were actually there having them. I know. But you, yeah. Well, it's different. It's completely it different, different thing to listen to something than to be on it. And it was a three-part series, and, and you had you you nicely titled it the preamble to Hebrews, and that's exactly what it is. So you can kind of, this is kind of like a notes from the underground almost, where we d- we're adding a little bit more as we get ready to go into it, because guys, we're going into the study. The drove of asses are going to be in the studio. Uh, at the end of January, we're going to be kicking it off. It's going to be, it looks like a 16 part series, but we have two more. Cool. It's, it's very, it's a, it's a good one. So to my left, I've got Tiziana mom. So hard subverse in here with us. Don't make me tell you again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she's hard. Mom and so hard. <laughs> and also, um, I have pastor Michael Miano here with us. Blessing to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You're you're going to be showing up on several of our episodes throughout the next couple of months, man. It's pretty cool. Feeling uh, he famous, was, huh? I'm feeling famous. <laughs> yeah, you're not. No, I'm just <laughs> fair enough. Oh, what a damn. Job. What a job. That was so ice cold. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> How cold is ice? <laughs> Golly. No, I'm just kidding. And you're you're actually, hearing. You're hearing from Rick, the pod father, Welch. <laughs> yeah. That's you, hilarious. You, you, you're actually, I mean, you are famous to me because as I was going through the internet, especially when I was introduced to preterism, it was just like, I saw a lot of your debates and I was like, man, who is this dude? Like, he is really something. So you are actually famous. I was just playing with you. Just a know-it-all, realizing <laughs> I don't know it all. No, <laughs> yeah, no much. Like, what is it Paul says? You think you know something and you really know nothing, right? That's right. That's pretty much what it is. So... Where we left off on that third part, we were leading up to what, you know, as we're getting to the book of Hebrews, I've been, we, Andy and I talked about what it's like for a creator to make a created thing and then to want to relate to that created thing. Remember? Yep. And then we started talking about the special relationships that God had, like with Abraham and how Abraham believed God, but not only did he believe him, but he actually trusted he trusted God. He was going to sacrifice his son. but And we learn in the New Testament, he, he honestly believed that he could have resurrected his son. He trusted God enough, you know? And then God, he tells his son that famous line, God himself will provide a lamb. And I love that line because it when you know, when you're on the other side of the story like we are, we know the lamb that God provided. We know who he is, right? Yeah. And so then we went down to we we started we we talked about King David and how king that king was such a special king to the point to where he would have you know that li- that lineage of the kingdom forever that it would come through his line he would put a king forever and it it, it leads that relationship down through the ages where we had we talked about the patches to the matrix where you had those prophets that special you know place where they would come in and they would try to tell Israel 
where they were going wrong with that relationship. That's such a that's a fun metaphor to me. I love to use it because it's like a patch. It's like what happens is they just interject it, right? The prophets come in at specific times. Like Jeremiah comes in and is like, hey, if you don't stop this slavery, God's going to take all of this away and he's going to send you away. He's going to have somebody come in and wipe you out. It's exactly what happened. And it became such a huge part of their narrative. The Babylonian exile is a huge part of the narrative of, of the nation of Israel. And knowing that it's going to happen again, it's going to happen again to them. When you're on the other side of a coin, like we are, looking back, we see that Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he starts, he, he's seeking out these specific people. When he has his disciples, he tells them to follow him. He's building these relationships with them, and they are, you know, learning from him. And as he's going through his ministry, he he sends them out to go find a specific unique thing, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He tells them, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Seek only the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hmm. And so that's what they're doing is they're going out and they're seeking these lost sheep, this remnant that God has kept for himself. But that secret we know is that he's he's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that there is a new covenant. And so the night before his death, he sits down with his disciples and they're having a meal. We call it the Last Supper. And this new covenant, he's talking about the blood of the covenant. Drink this wine. It is the blood. Eat this bread, which is my body that I'm giving. This is a this new covenant that I'm going to be giving to you. And so the relationship is getting very, very close. It's getting really deep, really that's intimate. That's a silly thing that I learned from this podcast, that that's where the the communion comes from, the bread and the wine, and it comes from the Last Supper. I didn't know that before this podcast. Yeah. it's. A, I mean, it's not like, a, it seems like a pretty obvious thing, I guess, but uh, to a lot of people it would be. I just, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's good. So, now that, you know, we're going to be doing our Hebrews kickoff next uh, with everybody. And and I'm glad you guys are in here because I just, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more uh, as I, I continue this with Andy. So there's something significant that's happening to the nation of Israel at, and its leaders, but also those that are believers of Christ's message. There's the split that's happening. And it's it's a very distinct split, and it, and it means everything, actually. It, it, when you read the Bible, you're going to find out that this, there's this distinction. It's, it's a huge moment in this nation's history, because God is, through Christ, while Christ is there, Christ is explaining to those leaders who are, you know, remember, we talked about the law, Andy. We talked about maturity, and Mike has mentioned it a few times. I don't know if you guys have heard it yet. Depends on where these some of these episodes la- you know land. But the maturity— God has revealed himself through his law. That law is stating what sin is, this thing that separates his created thing from him. And he's given Moses the law, right? And Moses, and when Jesus is here, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees, they tell you about, they have the law of Moses. Do that, but don't do what they're doing. So he's making a distinction. He's saying, what the law of Moses was for, like, it was there for you. And yes, that do. Yes, do that. Because by the way, he was the law of Moses. He was fulfilling the law of Moses in his own flesh. Am I right? 
So the relationship that he has with his people is, look, the law of Moses before you, it, it, this is the tutor. We know Paul teaches it later. This is the tutor to you. Do, those go and do those things, but don't do what the scribes and Pharisees are doing. And so let's, I think, Mike, maybe you and I talked about this a little bit this morning. Through Christ's ministry, while he's here on earth, he has this moment where he comes to this pool. And when he's at the pool, there's all these people that are there that are trying to get healed of their infirmities. And he goes up to this man who happens to be crippled for 34 years. And he says, do you want to be healed? And the man is desperate. And he says, yeah, I want to be healed. But the, the whole, all the people believe that the healing came whenever the water was stirred. But he said, I can't get to it. I can't, you know, I'm crippled. I can't get to it. Nobody will help me. So Jesus tells him, take up your bed and walk. So the man gets miraculously healed. Now that sounds like it's a miracle. Yay. But there's more to it. When he picks up his mat, the scribes and Pharisees start screaming, work, he's working, because it happened to be a Sabbath day. Oh, because of his mat? Because he picked up his mat. That's work. So That's, that's funny. So he picks up his mat because it's work. And why, when Jesus is saying the things that Moses says, that go and do, but don't do what the scribes and Pharisees are doing. All right, so, okay, here's me again. What were the scribes and Pharisees doing that specifically the things? I'm sorry. That's what I'm showing you. I always you. feel so silly. No, no, no. That's that's what I'm trying to show you. So, when he, he just miraculously healed this man, uh-huh. and so he picks up his mat, the scribes and Pharisees see what that man was doing as work. They miss the fact that God had healed the man. Right. Right, yeah. It's at the little trees for forest thing. Exactly. Yeah. The trees for forest is what the scribes and Pharisees have been doing to the law. So there's 613 commandments within the Bible. And in that, those scribes and Pharisees have created more and more and more. They've delineated those laws, and they've actually turned them into something that it wasn't. Uh-huh. This, so the disciples at a different day, they're walking through the, on the Sabbath, they're walking through the fields of grain, right? And they have dirty hands, and they start picking food and eating it. Huh. And the scribes and the Pharisees start yelling. Well, we're saying that's work as well. And you didn't even why they're eating with unwashing hands. They're oh, supposed to that, wash their hands before they eat. Is that uh, that was also against the law? Or against it wasn't. The, yeah. It was against theirs, but Their it wasn't law. against God's law. Uh huh. So, so they had created even further laws on top of the laws. That's funny that the the like if the food had already been picked and was in your house, you could grab it and put it in your mouth. But if you were standing in a field, you couldn't grab the food and put it in your mouth. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, and uh, so it's a little persnickety. So Jesus, exactly. So what does Jesus say? It's not which it's not what goes into the man that defiles the man. It's what comes out yeah. of the man that defiles him. So Jesus is understanding that the Sabbath and teaching us, not understanding, but he's teaching us that the Sabbath itself was something that God gave to man. It wasn't the other way around. And the scribes had turned it around on him. They had said that the Sabbath was for God, so you can't do anything. You don't do anything. And he would say, if your ox cart gets stuck in a ditch on a Sabbath day, are you going to go and get that ox and that cart out of the ditch? Or because it's a Sabbath, you're not going to do it. 
you're describing work in a very unique way. You're saying you can't do anything. That's right. not what God yeah. did. God gave you the Sabbath so that you could rest. Like I said, he and was trust the, him. He was the first labor activist. He was <laughs> absolutely. So as he's going throughout his ministry, he's constantly in these battles, right? Right, Mike. He's always in these battles with these guys. So when he gets to Matthew 23, and he gets to the steps of the temple, and he's there in front of all of these leaders, he starts telling them who they are. The woes. The woes. We've talked about the woes in here, right, Andy? The woes. (laughs) Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You strain out a gnat, and you swallow a camel. You, You... Give a tenth of your mint, Dylan, cumin, but you don't do the more the better things about having mercy and justice. You know, Jesus is describing all of these things to that nation, but it happens to be all of this is is like the culmination of this ministry, but it's also the fullness of time. God has dealt with His people, and the people who are in charge over their economy, over their religious practice. They have become, the word is apostate. They've become, they've, they're out of control. They're under control of Rome, and they're also out of control with their own laws. It's funny because you understand how they got there in a way because you're, they're like looking at these things. Well, what is work? Yeah. And you know what it is? A fascinating academic question. And so they set about answering that fascinating academic question with a bunch of completely academic thought. Yes. And, and that's that's how you arrive there because you start because it's the whole like I, I in this case in the temple thing where you're just you're like looking at it, a fun academic question and approaching it entirely like that and not actually looking at the world like it like people have to live their lives on those days too. You try to apply that entirely academic thought to a real place. And all of a sudden you're like, this doesn't make sense, but it's too late because those are their ideas. Absolutely. But you're right, Andy, it is academic. And that's what happens whenever, whenever human beings, whenever they want to become a part of a group, you know, we talked about groupthink. What we said was that they take a basic something and then they turn it into something far more. They grow it. They become fun to play with ideas. It is right. And, and, that's great. But when those ideas take leg, right, and, and take legs, and then suddenly they start becoming too ominous for you. You can because they come in conflict with the real world. Yeah. I mean, or if they take you away from the whole purpose. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I think given. that's even more Rick's point, honestly. Yeah. 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 If they take it from the whole purpose, right? So that's what Jesus has been doing is telling them that, yeah, do what Moses said, but don't do what these guys do. So by the time he gets to the temple, he is, he's, we say he's proverbially ripping them a new one, but there's a reason for it. It's because he's saying, you've taken the house of prayer, the house of my God, and he has a zeal for that house. And he says, you've turned it into a den of thieves. I'm leaving it desolate. And by desolate, he means I'm leaving it. It's going to be eradicated. And so when we get from 23 into 24, that's whenever he's talking to the disciples and the disciples are admiring the building of the temple itself. This was a remarkable structure. It was the center of their worship. It was their world, man. It was their entire worldview. And their worldview was like, well, if a rich man can't get into heaven, then who can? It had been twisted around because Jesus is telling them on the steps. He's like, you're saying that the gold that's been put there on the altar, that the gold is what has value, not the altar. 
Yeah. Yeah. You idiot. You idiot. Don't you understand? Look at the center of worship for what it is. Look at God's house for what it is, what it was meant for. And, you know, again, they've been told through centuries that there's going to be one that's coming and they haven't recognized the fact that he's there. They didn't recognize it, right? So when you get into Matthew 24, when we, you know, if you really want to get into what we talked about, go listen to the Olivet Discourse side study and you'll see where we went with that. We stopped a little shy because of how deep it got. But the point is, is that when he's telling the disciples what's going to come, he warns them of things that are going to happen. Because because he had told the disciples this, you know, they're like, look at the buildings, you know? They're admiring these buildings. And he's like, yeah, there's not going to be uh, one stone left upon another here. It's done, you know? And for them, that must have been impossible to understand because this is their center of worship. Again, here it is, you know? And yeah, they're occupied by Rome, but what do you mean? It's going to be, you know— yeah, the Romans weren't particularly nasty to people because of their religion. Or as anything. long as you're paying your taxes, you're yeah. you're golden, you know. But so, by the time that we get to the book of Hebrews, and and we when we do our kickoff, we're actually going to. It's still a pregame. There's a lot of warm up to this. There's a lot of warm up to Hebrews. You can't just jump in Hebrews and just be like, oh, the, you really got to understand where you are in the time. If you don't understand the time, then you won't understand the letter. If you don't understand the time, you won't understand what the author is trying to explain to this people and who these people are. The biggest thing to remember is that they are Jewish Christians, that they are in Jerusalem, that they are seeing this center of worship that they're in. They are a part now of this, they're called the way. They're a part of the way. They're they're the baby Christs is what Christians were. Like this, this term was given in Antioch, right? Wasn't it Antioch? Yeah, so these baby Christians or little Christs, as they would call it, these of the way, they're they're going through some extreme persecution. Nero is now he's turned it on him a little bit, and it will not be long from the time of this letter that the apostle Paul will be beheaded, that that the apostle Peter will be crucified upside down at the hands of this emperor, and it's getting really close now to where when this letter is written, that the end of their world is coming. Of their world. It's important to remember, it's their world, not yeah, our that, world. It's that their first, world. Kind of first generation, kind of? Yes, it's yeah. the first generation. And so the writer of Hebrews is going, He when he gets into this, he, he's going to be talking about these relationships that we've been talking about leading up. Like, who is the son in comparison to what these other people are listening to. You're going to find these people in this letter, and especially in the first chapter, where he says, you know, the Son is greater than the angels. Well, why would he say that? He's saying that because it's a problem. There's obviously a problem. We read it within its context. So, God, who has spoken at different times and in many different ways, has recently, you know, through the prophets, has recently, but it's not recently, has in these last days, he's describing this time period spoken to us by his son, you know? And so the relationship between God and his created thing and God and his special people, and then what his special people has done with the communication that they've been given, they've compounded and compounded with their academic approach, and they've made it almost impossible for anybody to even know how to even talk to God or even how to to give a gift. They can't even give a gift to God properly anymore because they've warped it and frustrated it so much that God is putting, he's done with it. He's literally done with it. And so he's going to teach you about 
how we we have this new high priest. It's not the same priest that they're recognizing, because while you read this letter, they're still doing sacrifices in the temple. So it's important to the listeners and to us who are studying it to remember to keep it. I hear Greg all up in there. He's like, he, hey. He has important things to say. <laughs> and now I like have to leave it in. Yeah. But so before I close this out, I know this was a short one, but again, this is just the preamble leading into Mike. Do you have anything that you'd want to add? Like some of the things that you've gleaned out of Hebrews that you think the listeners need to you know, like to like listen for? Yeah, I think you're setting a good stage uh, for understanding Hebrews. Um, you know, when we go through the Old Testament, there's quite a few things that have come to mind as you've been talking. Um, the first was you mentioned Jeremiah and the seven going into captivity, mm-hmm. uh, and what God had said to Israel in that time was. I will reward you in keeping with your idolatry. And when they went into Babylon, they were supposed to learn the undoing of the things that they've been told by the prophets. For example, in Isaiah 58, he says, is this not the fast that I've told you? And what did they do? The same exact thing you're seeing the woes talk about in Matthew chapter 23, that they've totally taken this law that God had given them to nurture a relationship with them. And they've They've robbed God of that relationship, and they've kind of set up their own idea. So by the time of the first century, that's what's being rebuked, that they've totally missed the point Mm -hmm. of this covenant. And when we get to the book of Hebrews, uh, there's a a message of hope. There's this message of the better things to come. Because again, no one wants to see their world come undone. Right. Nobody. No. So what you're going to see for these Hebrew Christians is an encouragement in the book of Hebrews to help them better understand, well, this was the glory of the old, the old that, you know, by the time you get to Hebrews 8, you'll talk about what was waxing old and getting ready to vanish away. Mm -hmm. However, also helping them see the glories that were coming in. Mm. And and what was being truly made known, the better things, I believe that's the key of the book of Hebrews. Yes, it is. And you see this, this buildup of the, well, this had a glory to it, but these are the glorious things. These are the better things that are going to be made known to you, that are going to be yours through Christ. And again, it's bringing together, bringing back the whole point of relationship and covenant with his people, which they unfortunately have missed. Right. They have. And- you know, whenever we've talked about this here before, that um, whenever when Christ was on Earth, when He performed His ministry, we know that there were people that would come to Him. Like there was a Roman centurion that had sent for Him, and he had a sick child, and he needed that child to be um, healed. But he understood that Christ had authority in in this world and and what He could do. And He was like, "You don't uh, look. I'm a leader, and I can do what I want to do." And I can tell this guy, go here. And I can tell this guy, go there. And he's like, and you can do the same. And and Jesus marveled. I said, he marveled at the fact that he had this much faith. And this is a Gentile that, you know, that, but he marveled at his faith. And Jesus, it says that, go back and tell him, okay. You know, and that his son was, or his child was healed in that self-same hour, it says. Well, People that were around him, that that listened to Christ, that were re- relating to him, they they had that, and it was a one on one. And <laughs> I'm dying over here, dude. That was amazing. Gregelia is chasing her tail, his tail. He's not real particular about pronouns, so <laughs> anyway. I guess not. Okay. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that it was this one on one, and so whenever Christ is about to leave, and he tells them, "Like I'm going to a place, and you can't come right now," and and they're like, what? Where are you going? What do you mean? He's like, it's, it's going to be good for me to go. Because if I do, I'm going to send someone to you. 
the Comforter. And that Comforter, the Holy Spirit, he, you know, when he comes, and he when he comes at Pentecost and Peter begins preaching, you know, that first gospel message there at the temple, that's where it all begins. The, the Spirit comes at the temple to his people, which is in the history when we were talking in our previous conversations, there was the tabernacle where God would tabernacle with men who would go with his people. And then they created the temple and that was, you know, Solomon praise. And then the, the God's spirit is with his people. But in this position, the veil of the temple had already rent after Christ is crucified, but the spirit comes back to his people. It's this new covenant that's beginning. It's, it's germinating, but there's some things that aren't quite yet. They call it the already, but not yet. We've heard that. Hebrews is in this midst of that. It's the already, but not yet. It's There's this period of time where you have it, but it's not fully consummated. Do you remember me talking about the end of the age, the beginning of the age, Andy, how those things sort of like intersected and there's this transition period? Well, you mean between- uh, Between the old covenant yeah, and the new covenant. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then when you get to the new covenant, that it just goes on forever, like that- that the old covenant comes to a close. And as it's coming to a close, the new covenant is beginning. So it was like I had said, it was like a big line vertically that comes down to a point, And that's the old covenant. But in the upper left-hand corner is a point, And then it starts going into a bigger line, yeah. but it continues on forever. So Hebrews is in the midst of this transition period. So it's if you understand that, and you understand that the Holy Spirit came to the temple into his people, that the people are now the temple. That Christ is the foundation. He's the rejected cornerstone of the temple itself. And that this temple is a much better temple. It's one where God is with us. I suspect a little more difficult to destroy, if nothing else. Oh my goodness. And guess what? It grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. It's just like a mustard seed. And you'll hear in the kickoff, we get into that. We talk about the mustard seed. We talk about the tree that it makes. We talk about the birds. It, it's really interesting. So I just wanted to give you guys a little bit more heads up. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that, Mike? Uh, just one point I, that came to mind when you were talking about the temple. God's whole purpose has always been to tabernacle and temple with his people. Yes. When Solomon went about building the temple, there's something interesting that's said there. And it's also reiterated in Hebrews where God does not dwell in temples made with hands. That's right. And something that always stands out to me when I read that story of Solomon, Solomon goes about, you know, he has such a, a zeal for God, you know, God, I'm going to build this mighty temple for you and you're going to be here and people are going to look to it. You're going to heal your people. And if you notice repeatedly, God says in the midst of that, remember the covenant. Yes. Remember the agreement. That's great. That's great, Solomon. You're going to build this nice house. It's going to be beautiful. And you know what? I will bless you by being present there. Yeah. Remember the purpose of this whole thing. That's right. And, you know, that is what I believe leads you into seeing the truth of Christ and seeing the truth of what Hebrews is pointing to. Yeah. And, and ultimately someone, the revelation. Someone wiser than Solomon was here. That's right. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way. Yeah. So I think that's going to wrap it up, guys. This This is the the final preamble of this. We're going to we're going to get into the kickoff with the rest of the birds are all back and going to be back in the studio now that we're in January. Um that will probably release towards the end of the month, I would say of this month of January and um yeah, we're going to get into it and this is going to be a several month study. We're going to keep on we're going to press on to the prize. Any bets on total number of Hebrews jokes? <laughs> I Man, only probably, know I you know at first I was like it's going to be a lot and I was like no, they'll probably be pretty sparse, but they're still going to be 
there's still going to be a handful for sure. Uh, so. That's a go. You know, I didn't tell the joke for this one. No, uh, I just mean literally when know, people are the like Hebrews jokes, Hebrews yeah. chig, chitter, <laughs> chitter, giggle. But you know, we can't help it. It's going to be dropped in there. <laughs> you know what? There was this uh, 90 year old couple. And for the last 20 years of this marriage, they were suffering, you know, had been suffering from from bad health in their 70s. And so the wife had determined, we are going to change our diet. We are going to be, we're going to exercise. We're going to do things. We're going to try to stay healthy the rest of our lives. So, you know, he, the, the, the woman and the man are having to eat, you know, really, really healthy, do things that he normally doesn't want to do just to stay alive. And they turn 90 and they get hit by a train. <laughs> <laughs> so they're standing at the gates of heaven and Larry, the 15th apostle comes out. He says, Welcome. And uh, so like, wow, this place is beautiful. And he says, yeah, come on in. And when they come in, they see this big, beautiful, opulent place. And and they're like, wow, this is great. He's like, yeah, this is your room right here. And it's like, wow, what does it cost? He's like, what do you mean? What does it cost? You're in heaven. It doesn't cost anything. And they're like, oh, this is great. And he was like, yeah. And he's like, wait, are you telling me that I'm on a golf course? And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I, I can play golf out there, and he's like, you sure can. He's like, what does it cost? What you know? What are the what are the greens fees? And he's like, do you understand? You're in heaven. It, it doesn't cost you anything. He's like, are you kidding me? Like this is better than Pebble Beach. I mean, this is incredible, right? So he's like, so so it's free. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, come on, I'm going to take you on you know, a tour and keep showing you around. So they come to this giant uh, restaurant type place, and there's a buffet, and he goes up to it, and there's all this food, like the greatest food you could have. Like it, it's lots of sweets and lots of the fatty foods and the things that he loves. And he was like, wow, what a buffet. And he's like, yeah. And he was like, well, I'm guessing that the buffet is free. And he's like, it sure is. He's like, really? And he goes, yeah. And the best part, there's no calories here. He's like, huh? He's like, no calories. Really? No cholesterol. What? And he's like, yeah. Hmm. That's great. So, I'd be excited. <laughs> I know. He's super excited. And so the man, after he discovers all this, he turns to his wife and he was like, and you made me eat all that non-cholesterol, non-fat food. <laughs> if I'd have ate it, I'd have been here a lot sooner. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> the joke. <laughs> that was horrible. So much time for such a terrible punchline. I know. Sometimes, sometimes the the joy is in this. The joke is for the person telling it. Yeah. Have you ever heard the moth joke? Did you ever look it up? Uh, the no. Norm Macdonald moth joke. I'm not going to tell it, okay. but I'm going to ruin I'll, it for you. Okay, ruin it. I'll ruin it for you. So he goes through. It's an eight minute long joke, and it's about this moth. You know. And he shows up at this place, and uh, he sits down, and he's talking to a psychiatrist about. And the psychiatrist asks him all these questions, and the moth's answering, and, and he just goes on and on and on mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on. And at the end of it, the psychiatrist is like, "I don't get it. Everything I've said to you, you sound fine. Why are you here?" And he goes, "Oh, it's just because your light was on." <laughs> Because he was a moth. And they call it the moth joke. It's like eight minutes. It's brutal. It's hilarious to listen to, though. Yeah, definitely one of those jokes that is kind of on the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, Michael, 
it's been great having you in the studio with us, man. I hope yeah, we man. get to bring you back again. And then um, we're going to try to come up and see you guys during your conference too. Yes, that'd be, great. be great. Meet your thank meet you. your uh, congregation. I think it'd be wonderful. Andy, as always, thanks. Yes, sir. Thank Tiziana you. Tiziana had to bow out a little bit early uh, earlier today. She's not in this episode, but she was supposed to be here. Well, she for, was here for she was just a hot minute for a at hot the top minute. of it. Yeah. Jubilee took precedence. And yeah. That's the way it ought to be. So anyway, well, guys, we will talk to you again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. You know, like how you coordinate and keep track of everything you're doing with like the testimonies and your side studies and like coordinating all these people's schedules. And like, I mean, it's just amazing how much you carry with this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, you you know, I mean, I think I think so. You've got a full time job on top of it. You're making films on top of it. You've got a wife who I'm sure needs time and attention on top of it. I know. And listen, guys, I I woke up this morning. I had the craziest thought. It was about the the man being created on the third day. And it was based on something you had said last night, which was part of a study I was already doing Mm. that Rick Carter's working on. And uh, I woke up this morning and I was like, Rick, you got to call me. Like, we got to talk about this right quick. And so Holly's waking up and having her coffee and me and Rick are just like going back and forth. And I looked at her and I was like, I have no idea why you married me. I am such an animal in the morning because I wake up super early. Yeah. And then I do my studies. And by the time she wakes up, we are jacked. I am jacked and Uh ready to go. And she's like... Yeah, let me have a sip of my coffee, please. You know, <laughs> yeah. bless her yeah, heart. Two hours later, yeah. <laughs> you know what my husband says to me? He said this to me before. He's go like, "We're because I do the same thing, especially once I get on some. When I'm on one, as they say, yeah. I'm just like, you can't. I'm like a bullet train, yeah. you know. And the other morning, like I got up at six a.m. so that I could like work out and like wash my hair and like get all this, you know, and get get some reading done before the kids woke up. So you know, my husband wakes up and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. he looks at me and he's like. If if Tiziana wrote a book in the New Testament, it would have been the Gospel of Mark because it's like a bullet train. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And Jesus is like straightway and straightway yeah. and straightway and straightway. And then it did this. And then it did this. And then the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just and like then blah, blah, blah. And, and then all of a sudden, what I love is when he gets to the crucifixion, the triumphal entry to the crucifixion. He just like he takes a breath and he breaks it down for you. I love mm-hmm. that book. I love all the books. Let's just be real. Yeah. They're all good and they all have their own flavor. But but Dylan looks at me one time, you know, and he's so he's so he's he goes, "Babe, you're kind of the most right now." <laughs> <laughs> I get told to shut up. Just like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up. I thought that was the, 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 the <laughs> If my husband is listening to this right now, I, I I know he's laughing his ass off about what would happen <laughs> if he ever looked at me and said, babe, shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That would land very poorly. But I mean, that was how we see his like, I've learned his body language at this point. And so I'm learned to be like, have you had enough words? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't, had enough I can't take on any more words now. And yes. we're like, okay, that's I'm full fine. of words. <laughs> yeah, I've reached my limit of words. But yeah, that one time he was just like, babe, you're kind of the most right you're now. You're kind of the most. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. That's funny. Are we rolling, Andy? Yes, sir. All of my praisings that the baby is so chill. 
You brought her on an especially farty day. It's, just, it's an especially farty day. So it may just be that I have to kind of peace out. It that's, d- that's, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you want to tell our really listeners that? You want to tell our listeners? We'll just put it in there like, and oh. And my kid has the farts. Yeah. And I got to go. <laughs> and then Tiziana has to go because she's got a mom so hard. Yeah, because, yeah, because momming is my number one job right now. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. But, yeah. I yeah. thought I could bring her and it would be fine, but it's all right. Go ahead and go take care of the baby. Farty. It's all good. Okay, all right. I thought maybe it was my voice that was making her scream. No, it might be your voice that's making her fart though. <laughs> 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 there might oh, be some of that. I love which it. I don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a smack. All right, you're good to move. 